Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, a question that we do get into uh, uh, the parenting slot an awful lot uh, usually have to do with digital devices. What age should they get a phone, if at all? More particularly, are there practical steps we can take to keep them uh, safe online? No better woman to answer those questions than News Talk's Jess Kelly. Uh, who's with us now. Good afternoon, Jess. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, and if people do have any questions for Jess, you can you can text them into us uh, now. I don't know. It's 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 probably a how long is a piece of string question, but like what age should they get a device? You know what? I hate being vague, but it is very much dependent on the child in question because I've done work with different groups, be that the ISPCC or anyone that, that interacts with children. And what you find is that you could have an eight-year-old who has the maturity level of a 16-year-old and then you could have an eight-year-old who has the maturity level of a five-year-old mm. and their understanding and their level of responsibility when it comes to I suppose the different aspects that come with having a device uh, vary so massively. And although it's frustrating, um, it is very much dependent on your child. One thing that we've come across quite a lot is that parents almost feel peer pressure from other parents in the class. Oh, yeah. So kids come home going, I'm the only one in my class who doesn't have a phone or doesn't have a tablet. Mm. And therefore, the parents end up buying a device without fully sitting back and going through a bit of a checklist, I suppose, before they hand over a device. You know, a lot of people will write into Tech Talker to the station here and they'll say, you know what, my child has a device and I feel powerless because they're smarter than me when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I hate being flippant about it, but the child didn't come out of the womb holding a phone like you, the parent, handed that over Technology is a tool. Smartphones are tools that enable us to get stuff done. You wouldn't hand over any other tool to your child without first asking, why do they want it? Mm. If it's a case of they just want to watch a bit of Peppa Pig or, you know, Bluey or whatever the thing du jour is in your house, then you you don't necessarily need to hand over an iPad that's worth five or six hundred quid that has access to the Internet the entire time, that has a full app store available to the child the entire time. So it is worth before you do go down the route of giving your child a device, be that a laptop, a console, a phone, a tablet. Ask why do they want it and what are they going to use it for? Yeah, uh, of course, they don't know themselves, probably. Well, I mean, they probably have a starting point, but then they... They they discover other things as they go along. They do. And this is where the parent needs to be ahead of things. And you can't just hand over a device blindly because, you know, there are examples that I've encountered over the years whereby a younger cousin wanted a tablet because the older cousin had the tablet and they were playing these games on the weekend decorating cupcakes. Mm. And so the parent thought, oh, sure, they're decorating cupcakes. I'll give the younger cousin a tablet, no problem at all. And all of a sudden, one day they were sitting on the couch watching the younger child decorate cupcakes. And all of a sudden, chat windows popped up of adults having conversations with the children, utilising apps that are aimed at kids, Mm. accessing these forums, saying, God, that's a great uh, cake that you've decorated there. Are you online for a video call? And this is where, and I don't want to scare the bejesus out of anybody, but this is the reality of these platforms. Something as, you know, innocent as playing games that could have in-app purchases, so run up your credit card bill, or in-app chats, can go very sinister or very badly very quickly. And so it's not enough for you to give your child access to this technology. You have to understand what they're using it for, the apps that they're using, regardless of whether it is a 7-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old, you need to be across it. Because if something goes wrong, 
you don't want to go to panic stations and just ban your child from using technology until they're 21. That's not a realistic, you know, uh, approach to have. So my advice would be, if your child wants a tablet to play games, sit down with them and ask them to show you the game. You know, get involved. Yeah. Like, again, the ISPCC hope that uh, was launched the year before last a lot of the advice says have the conversation with your child. If your child is of, you know, an age where you can have a conversation with them, yeah. get involved with them and try and figure out what it is they're utilising. A lot of kids are using, you know, TikTok and th- there's the app that I was talking about on News Talk Breakfast this morning, Be Real. And that's all about social interaction. So my friends are on it, so I want to be on it. Yeah, yeah. There's another one called Roblox that uh, a lot of kids play where you can see if your friends are playing it as well. Yeah, and I think... that. So there's a lovely aspect of community when it comes to technology. And I am always a little bit apprehensive about talking about this sort of stuff because I come to technology from a tech fan point of view. Mm. And so I would never say technology is a bad thing. As I said at the start, it's a tool. So you need to be aware of how it's being used, why it's being used and who it's being used with. So if your child is using something like Roblox and there are friends online, maybe take a few minutes every week and just make sure that you know who all of those people are because very often people go online and will have aliases um, Mm. and that's fine from a security point of view it's probably better to have an alias than use your real name but just make sure you the parent can kind of say okay well that's Sarah who's in her class or that's you know whoever it may be just be wary of anything that is anonymized to the point where you, the parent, aren't in control. Yeah. Now, somebody has uh, texted in to ask, and it's probably in the minds of a lot of parents. I try to limit the amount of time spent on devices, but I don't get home until about seven. And I know they've spent most of the afternoon on the tablets. I don't expect the child minder to fight with my kids about it. Is there a device I can get to set a limit on how long they have online every day or something that blocks them from certain apps, TikTok in particular, at specific times of the day? Yeah, and this is where this sort of education part of this comes into play. So there's a thing called Google Family Link and it's completely free. You, the parent, sign up and you can associate devices with it. So say you have three kids, you can associate all three uh, children's account with your account. And you can say that, you know, at a certain time, they don't have access to things like TikTok or the internet will knock off. So there's things like Google Family Link that will give you eyes on certain aspects of the device while still, you know, respecting the privacy and the use of the the child's use of the device. And there are other, you know, portals within, depending on who your broadband provider is. A lot of them now have parental hubs where you can go in and you can knock off Jessica's iPad at seven o'clock at night so that I won't be able to go online from that device after seven o'clock at night. Okay. And that is, it's a great asset to have because it means that, again, if if your child is using the tablet for homework purposes, for example, Mm. you can opt that they can still get on Google Chrome, but they can't get on YouTube, TikTok and any other app that you don't want them to have access to. So you can pick and choose or you can set essentially a bedtime for the device and knock it off after that time. And that's something that it's a little bit of, uh, I suppose, a contentious issue to try and retrospectively uh, put that in place, particularly Mm. if you have a teenager. Um, It's kind of like trying to, you know, get through a very, very difficult negotiation process. But that's why I think if you haven't got to the stage where tech is in your child's life as of yet, 
it's worth establishing these sort of good habits beforehand and building in those restrictions where possible. And again, I know that this is easier said than done. And a lot of parents will be saying, you know, this is a vital part of my child's life, either from entertainment, from a company point of view, from whatever it may be. Um, but the thing to note is as a parent, there are things you can do to try and take back some some of that control. Yeah, but like that person who texted in there, I suppose is you can't be, you know, you mightn't be there all the time or you can't be in the room with them all the time. So it is handy if there's some sort of at least technical limit. You can come in every now and again and kind of say, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and have a look at them kind of thing. But Yeah, and it's also worth going in to the the child's device if they have their own specific device, maybe once a week and just go through and see what the app's what apps are on the device and see what apps they're using mm. the most. So you can go in and see, you know, if you go into the screen time settings and you can see how often they're using the device. You can see what apps they're using. There was an app that did the rounds a few years ago. I don't know if you remember. It was called Sim Simmy. Yeah. And it kind of came out of nowhere. And the reason it sort of came to prominence because automatically overnight it was being associated with cyberbullying. And so letters, schools were sending letters home to parents saying, if your child is using this app, please get them to stop because it is being utilised to essentially bully. It was an artificial intelligence app where you put in Jess Kelly and then you would put in is whatever and you would say something negative about me. And then anytime anyone else put in my name, that negative thing would come back. So the machine was learning bullying behaviour from other children. And that was something that we kind of realised it can flip overnight. It can become this big thing. And again, it came down to parents going in and either taking the device, uh, taking the app off the child's device or explaining to the child how this is a program that was built with one thing. And suddenly, because of bad behaviour of other kids, uh, it's now bullying children. It's a program. It's a computer program that is bullying other children, um, which is a weird conversation to have. But it goes back to the point of technology is a tool. And if it's misused and abused, it can be very damaging. Yeah. Uh, John says uh, ISPCC Parent Hub is brilliant. Uh, Aidan says tablets at home are one thing. Uh, what are full-on smartphones with internet data out and about? Should there be age limits as to who gets smartphones? Underage limit, basic phone for contact, uh, says Aidan. This is something that came up a number of years ago. You may remember there was a lot of talk of should we have the age limit of 14? So should you be yeah, 14 before yeah. you get a smartphone? It's worth noting the age of digital consent in this country is 16. And that means that if you're under the age of 16, your parent, so you the parent, have to be across whatever they do. There's also the terms of use of a lot of um, apps and platforms. So on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, uh, it's between 13 and 16. It does vary. Uh, So from a legal point of view and from a box ticking point of view, you know, they're the ages that children should be or teenagers should be before they Mm. engage with these. In relation to should you be a certain age to get a smartphone, I don't think it's a great idea to have those fast and hard rules because it comes back to the maturity of the child, what they want it for. I know that there's kids who are in, you know, say the parents have separated and they want to be able to video call the other sure, parent on yeah. the weekend or whatever. You know, there are the teenagers are out and you want to know where they are. Of course they won't answer the feckin' phone. They anyway, won't, so. but you can give it a go and try yeah. and ring them. Um so there are legitimate reasons and I don't think a fast and hard rule uh, will work. The big point that I've been making on this for years, along with many other people, is that Education, when it comes to technology, falls between a few different stools because Mm. a lot of parents will say that they don't have the knowledge. Schools will say that's not their job and they don't have the time. 
And then the, the response that we've had from the government up until quite recently is that the internet is so vast, it's very difficult to police. Now, we've seen great progress in terms of things like Coco's Law, uh, which is also known as the, sort of the revenge porn of the exp- yeah. uh, Intimate Images uh, Act that came into play. There's a lot of talk about an online safety commissioner. Uh, there's been great progress in terms of the online safety and media reg- regulation bill. But again, I think it comes down to education and parents do feel like this is coming very thick and fast. You know, mm. so all of a sudden two-year-olds know how to swipe. Yes. I've got nieces and nephews who go up to the telly and try to swipe it or, and they or, don't understand. Uh, yeah, I, I want to swipe a book when she saw it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this happens and I think it's very difficult and I completely understand that it can be overwhelming. What I would say is to try and get ahead of it, to engage with the technology... You don't have to follow all the Kardashians on Instagram to understand how this works. Mm. If your child is using an app, if there's a particular app that you know that they're really into, put it on your phone. Get familiar with how to block, mute, report, take a screenshot. These basic functions, hopefully you'll never have to use them. In an ideal world, everything will be completely fine once a child goes into the online world. Yeah, But in reality you have to have these tools at your disposal so that you know how to respond and that your reaction isn't, okay, you're never going online again because that's just not practical. I suppose it's kind of an online version of stranger danger and those kind of things we try to educate kids about when they're going around the real world as well. I think we we get so hung up on the notion of the please and thank you and how to tie your shoelace and how to cross the road. We kind of forget that the digital world is where a lot of stuff happens now. Mm. And you may not allow technology in your home and you may think that your child never gets to see anything in the online space. But there have been numerous studies that show that kids do get access to content. If they go over to a friend's house, maybe there's an older sibling or the older cousin scenario whereby they do see content. And I think you need to be ahead of it where possible and try and upskill yourself. Like the thing that I say is there's no such thing as a stupid question when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Like I've had people ask me, like, what is the difference between a smartphone and a normal phone? Or how do I take a screenshot? And I think it's only by asking those questions you get informed. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why I think there's no judgment in this. Like we're all kind of feeling our way through it. This technology hasn't been around long enough for us to know this is the golden way to do it. There's no such thing as the ultimate parental handbook when it comes to parenting in the digital age because it depends on every child. It depends on every scenario. And I think the more information you can have at your disposal, the better it will be in the long run. But I know I keep mentioning it, but getting ahead of it where possible is the best thing you can do. Now, we've been talking about tablets and phones. Mm -hmm. People might think that games consoles are somehow, you know, more benign. Is that the case? Not necessarily. And it, it depends on the console. It depends on the scenario. And it depends on, I suppose, the nature of uh, the use. There are There's a huge upsurge in kids playing online games. So they're playing a particular game versus people anywhere in the world. Yeah. You'd often mm-hmm. hear, like, if you have teenagers in your life, you may hear them chatting away on a headset to complete strangers in the living room. And they could be talking about the game and it could be all purely innocent. But you do need to be mindful of the fact that you're engaging with complete strangers. Um, Information can be exchanged. There's a lot of focus on the notion of, um, you know, utilising web cameras and headsets. 
but also any type of personal information that could be garnered from these conversations. We mentioned earlier on about using aliases, for example. That's a really good thing. You know, a lot of like people my age would have their email address or their username as jesskelly89 at whatever email mm. service provider because that's the year I was born and that's my name. That sort of information is very, very valuable. And you don't want to be giving away any information that you don't need to to, to hand over. Um, there have been, you know, awful scenarios that we've heard about over the years where kids enter gaming forums, online gaming um, tournaments or, you know, uh, scenarios and p- people infiltrate those online sessions and there's either instances of grooming or, um, you know, screenshots are captured from uh, webcam footage and kids have been targeted, be that for, you know, robberies, be that for other nefarious purposes. But you need to be mindful. And again, this is not to try and freak people out. And yeah. I know I say it and I'm kind of killing myself inside saying it <laughs> because I don't like to scare people. But it's the reality of being online. And I think if you can avoid, you know, having a scenario where your teen is in a room with a webcam chatting away to strangers avoid that ha- even let them do it in in the living room and so where you can overhear conversations and you can walk on by and you can monitor situations it's a lot of pressure on parents there's no denying that but until we come up with you know that magic rule book of this is how you handle all these scenarios a lot of the onus is going to be on parents to, to navigate this world. Right, to end, end things on a slightly more positive uh, note, what is Coder Dojo? Coder Dojo was great. This is, um, it's a, a group of, it's an Irish uh, innovation and basically they bring people together starting from around seven years old right on up and teach kids how to code. And it starts off very, very basic. So if you have a child who's interested in Lego, and you want to kick on from that. Coder Dojo is sort of a natural succession. And it teaches kids how to build, um, whether that is websites, apps, different things that they can kind of correlate and they gain a better understanding of how technology works because they're getting behind the scenes Mm. and they're engaging with it. But there's also that social element of technology as well. So you come together in groups. There are Coder Dojo groups right up and down the country. And if you ever go to any of the meetups, it's one of those things that just makes your heart a little bit happy. And you think, you know what, the future of the country is okay because Mm. these kids are in charge. And it's a really good skill to have. There's been a lot of focus on do we need every child in the country to be able to code so they get a job in Google or whatever when they're older. It's not just about that. I think as somebody who's got a curious brain, I think if you have a child who's interested in technology and who wants to understand how it works, but also how to build it and how to have an element of control over it. It is a fantastic initiative. And as I said, there are classes and groups up and down the country and I would highly recommend it. Jess, thanks a million as ever. Jess Kelly, there you are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. The business of kidnapping. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.